that's the thing that like most people are not used to this. Yeah. And so that's in the, the top of mind, but it's something that is meant to just be pushed to the background because right now the, you know, a lot of the data that's floating around because there isn't a monetary aspect, we need things like advertising, right. In order to use things for free. But actually if in this Bitcoin world, you would own all your data, right. Without the need for ads because you're paying for it technically through these micropayments. Welcome to the Kind Boss Podcast, brought to you by Outsourcing Angel, an Australian-based social enterprise that specializes in helping business owners free up their time and reduce staffing costs, while helping to create employment opportunities for people in developing countries. Visit OutsourcingAngel.com today. Now, let me welcome your host, Lynn Pedetti. Hello, kind listeners. I'm your host, Lynn Pedetti. Today, we'll be speaking to a kind boss, George Samuels, founder of FIRE, one of the first consultancies in Asia Pacific to offer Bitcoin integration services, build productive communities, and transform businesses for the future of work. With more than seven years of experience across Southeast Asia and Australia as a community development specialist, George is a true expert at building communities for startups, businesses, and co-working ventures where he helps to bridge the gap between technology and people. Listen on as he shares his cool tips and advice on technologies like Slack, Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, and how to build strong communities for your business. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Kind Boss Podcast. And here I have my beautiful long-term friend, George Samuels. Welcome. Hey, how's it going? Hey. I can't believe how long we've known each other, actually. I think I remember when I was just brand new in business about a decade ago. And yeah. I think I've known you since then, haven't I? That's crazy. Yeah, you have. Yeah, it's been and- a wonderful journey. <laughs> and we've been keeping in contact. Later on when we caught up, I just realized how smart you are with technology. And today I want to talk to you about Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, all these things that are so new to me not new, but the more, yeah, it's, it's hard for someone like myself to understand. I want other people to learn. I still remember back in the days when you were talking about Slack and yeah. I was like, oh my God, that's so complicated. I'll stick with Skype. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm like, I love Slack. So have you always had this passion for technology and, and what, why do you love it so much? Yeah, most definitely. I think it started back in fourth, fifth grade. Well, my first, the first computer that I got, you know, was MS-DOS with the floppy disks, you know, going in and Space Invaders, I think was my first game that I ever really enjoyed. And ever since then, I just was, you know, fascinated by the tech. And, you know, young kids these days, they can absorb tech quite easily and quickly. You know, I see my own nephew now, like he's teaching me stuff about like YouTube editing and TikTok stuff. And, you know, it's amazing to see, you know. And so I think it was the same for me. I really enjoyed it. Throughout school, I ended up, you know, teaching myself a lot on my own. And I ended up teaching teachers about a lot of the software as well. And so I think that was just always there with me. Then when I went into university, I wanted to combine both sort of my creative interests with the technical. Hence why I ended up doing a master's in animation, which was completely a fluke. I never actually expected to do that. But a teacher saw one of my projects, my animation projects, and she was like, you've got something here, you know, come join our master's course. I'll put in a recommendation for you. And so I did. And I just learned a lot about storytelling and whatnot, which I think helped with my communication for tech in general to it, like in layman's terms, you know, for people, for the average person to understand some of this like complicated tech stuff. 
that I find very easy and natural, but I know that a lot of people do not. Yeah. And I remember when we were even a simple Slack, because uh, a lot of us, or including myself, we treat like Slack or whatever as a well, chit chat tool. So we compare it to Skype. And then yeah. at the time you were telling me how it just makes everything so efficient. Can you, mm. let's talk about Slack a little bit more. Cause I know you're the, I would call you the expert that I know around Slack. If someone yeah. wants to implement Slack the right way, yeah. come to you. But what are some of the, yeah, the, some of the hacks and things that you, you, you do with Slack? So I, for Slack, I remember coming across it like in its very early days when it was just very grassroots. A lot of teams were just picking it up and even I was like, huh, what is this? And at the beginning, I also did think it was just like another messenger based uh, app, but it, it turned out to be a lot more. And where it does turn into more is through their bots and integrations. So I think one of the hidden powers of Slack when you've moved beyond just the messenger style of communication is the fact that you can integrate a whole bunch of different tools that you might already be using, right? But because people these days, there's so many applications out in the market, right? You don't want to keep having to switch applications constantly, right? Because the constant, the, the context switching leads to kind of like decreased productivity, right? Because you're just constantly switching stuff in your, in your brain and also visibly. So the bots and integrations allows you to actually, while you're talking to somebody, you can pull up data through many different applications on the fly while you're talking to them. So say, for example, if you've got a sales CRM, right? Salesforce being like one of the most popular ones at an enterprise level. If you have a, a Salesforce integration, you could be talking to your team and they'd be like, hey, you know, for this account, how much are we actually making the, over the last quarter? And then you could just put in a, a command through the bot and it'll bring up the stats, you know, for that account right there within the context of your conversation. It's the equivalent of like when we're talking, right? And I'm pulling stuff out of my memory bank and I'm putting it into the conversation. Whereas if I, if I stopped our conversation and said, hey, hold up a second, let me go through my folders, you know, to look for information, you know, it, it breaks the flow of the conversation. So Slack just brings that a lot quicker so that you can access that information without needing to context switch to something else. Yeah. So I think that, that's been sort of the biggest win for Slack. And they're not the only ones that do it, but they're the ones that do it in a way that is fun. So it's very interesting because I remember when, because I know the Slack guys like within the company and because I worked with them to help my last company, Iris, which have a couple thousand employees. And we had to we essentially move them from an email workflow to a messenger style, right? With, with Slack. And with Slack, you know, one of the most interesting things was that the way that they pitched it was it's fun, right? And for a very, for an enterprise level application, going into any sort of C-suite room, right? And saying, you know, what's the biggest differentiator for you guys? And they're like, it's fun. And, you know, but you actually have to take that into account because it's true. Like one thing about the application is that they can, it makes it very easy to, to, to use like quickly, right? And there are things that you can just adapt your own culture to make it fun. And so I think that one of the, one of the things about Slack is that they started off as a games company like the founder, Slack was used as actually their own solution for their games company to communicate with each other. So that's where you can see sort of the fun element come in through the games industry. No, I love it. And I, I think you just gave me a reminder to actually use that kind of integration because I, the, the most I've used is I kind of link, synced it to Google Calendar so I can, right. it yep. pops up and it tells me all on my calendar it, things that's happening on the day. But I, in terms of like actually pulling, I mean, I've, I've linked it to HubSpot, 
and yeah. but I'm just not accessing it. But so great reminder. But the no one thing worries. that I do, we have done is syncing kind of like when a sale happens, it pops up a notification saying sale has been made. And so it makes it really, really fun for everybody to see that, hey, we all got a sale and it's, it's right into Slack. So yeah, yep. so it's, it's always been exactly. really good. Okay. So then how does, how did your life go from Slack into Bitcoin? <laughs> Tell me more about the love of Bitcoin. Yeah. Well, they're kind of coincided. Like I have a lot of interests, right? Bitcoin was a happy accident from about 2013. So at the time I was working for a co-working space and that co-working space, they had one of Australia's first Bitcoin ATMs. So when I, would, when I was doing tours for new prospects, I'd always end the tour with this Bitcoin ATM and say, this is the future of work. You know, this is the future of money. And everybody'd be like, ooh, what is this? And so, you know, back in 2013, it was still very much the early days. You know, most people didn't know what it was. I might've had like a couple hundred dollars in it at the time. And then, you know, it exploded about four years later, you know? So even for myself, I think I kind of tapered off around 2015 for about a year. And then around 2016, I saw that it was picking up again. And I was like, hmm. So I, I dived back in. And then what do you know, the next year, you know, we saw November of 2017, where the price just went to about 20,000, right? Yeah. And so a lot of people became overnight millionaires. And it was very interesting to see how people went from seeing Bitcoin as this just hobby project to now something that was serious, right? Mm -hmm. Because people were trying to figure out like, why are people putting money into this thing that has no value, right? And so since then, it's actually been a very interesting deep dive into what the implications are for something like this and why something like Bitcoin is coming out at this point in time. Because, you know, we, right now we are essentially in the greater depression and that's, I guess, what I want to call it. And a whole bunch of systems are changing. And so the first phase, I would say, was like the internet. It's, it's the move from the industrial age into the information age, right? Like a lot of these transitions, right, they take hold over a couple of decades. And so we had the internet, which was, you know, a good now, what, 30 years. And that was creating sort of the first phase of the infrastructure for a united global system. Mm -hmm. Money didn't catch up. We still had very, everything was, you know, cash, right? Paper cash. And now money is sort of the thing that is coming up as like, okay, how do we port what we used to have as physical cash into the digital world? What would that look like? We've had things like PayPal. We've had things like Western Union, virtual currencies, in-game currencies. And now you have this thing like Bitcoin. And so yes. Bitcoin, I think, is sort of that first venture into the next age from a money standpoint. Yeah. And so like, why, you know, I didn't know anything about Bitcoin and I just listened to my brother at the time and yep. pretty much went in and invested, you know, a few thousand dollars when it was peaking and then it yeah. kind of went down. So what has caused this kind of like picking up and falling yep. down? Like, cause you know, is this just a gamble of this new thing or like, what is your is. thoughts on around that? I mean, it, it, it is in a way, right? Because right now a lot of people are betting on this vision, this idea of a potential single global currency that isn't owned by any one government, right? You can see how like borders are becoming blurred. People have like started moving across multiple nations, countries, right? Mm -hmm. And currencies are still held to the old way of it being bound by each nation, right? And if you look back into the history of most nations and most groups of people that expand and empires that grow, they start off small, right? And then they, they expand. And they end up for whatever they've conquered, they have their sort of trading currency uh, that they put in. And now though, because people are, it's so much easier for people to move around, 
there needs to be something that is reflective of that type of movement where borders don't really matter. And so, yeah, with Bitcoin, in terms of the fluctuation of price, right now it is very much speculative, right? Mm. This is where most people don't know the difference between speculation and investing. As a result of being involved, like I didn't even know the difference before either. And so just by the nature of being involved again, I learned the differences. You know, I learned also I'm not a trader. So I'm not the, one of those guys who sit down all day, every day looking at like, you know, fluctuations and trying to profit off of that. I do like building and investing in things for the long run. But overall, you believe in the future of the model, as in, you know, that we are moving away from the, the cash economy. It's just whether which one is secured and gets adopted, right? Because that's kind of, Correct. and then because we kind of hear that the banks and things are using cryptocurrency as a model for themselves. But yeah. yeah. Uh, and what is the difference between Bitcoin and cryptocurrency? Because there's so many cryptocurrency companies coming yeah. out as well. Yeah. yeah. So Bitcoin is technically a partial cryptocurrency, but not fully. And the reason for that is that Bitcoin implements more than just cryptography. And cryptography is just a way of uh, a form of security, right? Put it simply. And cryptocurrency, because to distinguish it from virtual currencies, cryptocurrency became the name for all of these other projects that came out. So another word you'll hear often when it comes to Bitcoin is blockchain, right? Blockchain, oh, again, yes, that's is, the other word. <laughs> right? blockchain again is just a, a part of what makes Bitcoin, right? So it's not the only thing that makes Bitcoin Bitcoin. But blockchain technology, when people realize, oh, blockchain is a big part of Bitcoin, they extracted that. And then they started creating their own blockchain projects, right? Some of them may be cryptocurrencies, some of them may not be. But then they saw that, oh, blockchain is the big, the big thing that we all need to focus on. To be honest, it's not. Like, it's not the prize. I mean, that's, that's my personal opinion, but so much buzz and so much hype is being put around it that it's, when you use it, you know, you, you, you sound smart, right? <laughs> I'll use it where it's applicable because that's what people are familiar with. But then I will try to tell them that, you know, blockchain is just, it's nothing more than a glorified database. That's how I... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, to be honest, it's still just so complicated for me to get my head around. And I even watched, you know, animation video explaining what crypto and blockchain is. And I get it at the moment and then I forget. Yeah. But <laughs> give me a case study of how you... Because I know with Fire, your, yeah. your, your company, you help yeah. kind of Bitcoin blockchain kind yeah. of clients. So give me an example of the case study of who you help and what did you do for them in this space? Yeah. So we're actually, we sit at like this intersection of community and emerging tech. And, and part of the emerging tech is, is blockchain, right? Or Bitcoin. So we specialize specifically in one called Bitcoin SV. So most people don't know there are three versions of Bitcoin out and they're all competing alongside all of these other cryptocurrencies to see which one will last the longest, right? There's a lot of like politics and drama around it. I won't get into it, but essentially we follow BSV, Bitcoin SV, simply because right now it is one of the most scalable projects. All right, at the moment, okay? And so we're taking a bit of a gamble there by following that because it's most controversial. But in terms of how we assist, we help just simply by getting clients to understand what the implications are and then help them with the integration of it uh, itself. But we also come from this community side whereby we kind of take clients who have a community component to their brand or what they're offering, right? Because that's just one of my own personal interests and I've embedded that into the company. And so any sort of initiative that has a community component where blockchain can be of assistance, that's where we will assist them, right? And it's mm -hmm. looking at actually bringing in the technology in the background. So the way that I kind of explain Bitcoin these days is that it was always meant to be a, like a plumbing system, right? Mm -hmm. Right now, the way that we treat it, uh, the narrative that goes out is like it's digital gold, 
it, it has to act as digital gold if it wants to be a future money, but it's not only that, right? The true value actually comes in this plumbing system bit. So I was talking about moving into the information age, right? So essentially the internet, you've bought the land. <laughs> now with Bitcoin, it's like you've dug out the sort of the foundations and everything, and you're putting in the plumbing system for everything that's going to be built on top. And then the next phase will be all of the companies that build applications on top, on the surface. But mm. Bitcoin is something that's supposed to be in the background. And the reason why it has value, though, is because it can make all of the money transactions flow through its plumbing system, right? So that's generally how I explain it. So in actual, in like in real life, a lot of companies, they shouldn't focus on the fact that it's Bitcoin based, right? They should just focus again on solving problems for people. And then Bitcoin is used as that very efficient database in the background, right? Okay. Yes. But by using it, people can actually make money while they're using Bitcoin for the applications. So as an example, right now we're, we're doing Zoom. What would happen in a Bitcoin world is that you potentially would be paying to either use something like Zoom or if you're watching something else, you would be paying to watch that as well. But the payments are so small that it would be insignificant. Like you wouldn't think about it, right? But what that does, it allows all data to be monetized so people can actually see how much everything is costing in an information age. Mm. So that's the thing that like most people are not used to this. Yeah. And so that's in the, the top of mind, but it's something that is meant to just be pushed to the background because right now the, you know, a lot of the data that's floating around because there isn't the monetary aspect, we need things like advertising, right. In order to use things for free. But actually if in this Bitcoin world, you would own all your data, right. Without the need for ads because you're paying for it technically through these micropayments. Mm, wow so interesting mm -hmm. and when you say community are you saying like the it's like tribes it's like people that would be supporting your brand your product Correct. or so, the people yep. yeah so yes i know there's different definitions of community so when i'm talking about communities for in a business context it's brand communities right so it's essentially any sort of business where you know their customers can be formed into a community and have tighter relationships it could be loyal advocates masters etc but yeah, where there's a community component that actually supports that business type or model, that's the company that we're interested in. Yeah. So one of our, one of our uh, clients was Handcash and they're a, a, a BSV related company and they've got the, the right idea. You know, they're, they're very much focused on the people. They understand the importance of design and they want Bitcoin to also move into the background. Wow, 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 love it. Want to make a difference in others' lives? Join us in providing food, medical supplies, and daily living necessities to tribal communities living in extreme poverty in the Philippines. For as little as $50, you can feed a whole village and have peace of mind that 100% of your donations goes directly to those in need. Be a part of our OA Love Projects and visit OutsourcingAngel.com. Now, I guess before I go into my, the other uh, segment where I'm going to talk to you about the pack, actually, yeah. I'm going to break it up with my high five section. So this sure. segment, this is to get to know George. This is where I'm going to ask you five questions. You choose this or that option and just yep. elaborate on your answers so that we all get to know George a little bit. Cool. Sure. All right. Number one, if you could buy shares in Google or Facebook, which one? Oof. Oof. Google or Facebook. If I was to go with my community aspect, it'll probably be Facebook. And we're looking at the early days. So yeah, probably be Facebook. Facebook. In the early days. Okay. Good answer. Number two. Okay. If you were given, which one would you choose? One business class flight somewhere that you love or three 
economy flights to three different places that you love? Three economy to three <laughs> different places. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <Travel>. I just, yeah. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I, I still go for the, the quantity of the flights than the yeah. kind of the one. <laughs> I'm yeah. just always thinking, well, it's just eight hours of suffering, right? And then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, come on. Right. Number three, passion or inspiration? Ooh, passion. Yeah, passion. You want me to say why? I mean, through your passion, I think you can be an inspiration. And I think with passion, it allows you to sort of like keep your inspiration up as well, ongoing. Like inspiration, I think sometimes can be in and out. Something that you're truly passionate about. I think it, it helps fuel the inspiration. Love yeah. it. Great answer. All right. Japan or Singapore? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I'm living in Singapore already, but I do love Japan. So is it Japan or Singapore to live or to just travel to? If you just have one choice to pick a country. I'll leave oh. it up to you. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, say, I'll say Japan. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Can. And by the way, George was from Australia, but now mm -hmm. he's a nomad. He goes around everywhere <laughs> and he's currently in Singapore. Yep. All right. Last question. Cardio or weights? Oof, weights. Weights, yeah. Still do boxing yeah. though? Uh, I, well, COVID-19. So all the gyms oh, closed. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I hope to get back. But yeah, I still, I still love boxing. And I think, yeah, if I'm going to do cardio, it'll be in the form of boxing. Boxing, like, yeah, car yeah. Just, cardi just running in general, I'm not a fan. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I like weights as well. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much. We definitely got to know George there. All right, now I want to talk about the pack that, that you created years ago. And I really yeah. think it's such a great model. And yeah, talk to people more about the pack. Yeah, sure. I might actually share my screen, even though I know that this is uh, potentially a podcast, but we've mm -hmm. got some video here too. Let me just share my screen. Okay, cool. And of course, I will speak and describe everything that we're yes, seeing. Narrate it, please. <laughs> correct, correct. So the pack is essentially a productivity accelerator and accountability group that I created back in oh, about four, four to five years ago now. And this was when I was on the hunt for my next job between the co-working space and then the corporate that I went into. And I found uh, I, I was essentially trying to solve my own problem because while I was looking for a job, it was pretty lonely, you know? So I was like, hey, you know, I've got this goal that I'm looking to hit. Are there any other people around that want to like join me in pursuing their own goals as well? And so I used sort of my rule of three in validating startup ideas. And that was, you know, get at least three paying customers before you build anything. So what I did is I told people on Facebook, hey, you know, this is what I'm looking to do. You might have been seeing that I'm on the hunt for my next job, but I'm looking to put sort of like a little accountability group uh, to help me and also deal with this loneliness aspect. If you're interested, please put, you know, uh, money to this PayPal account. I need at least two other people to help validate this idea. And so they, people put in some money and then I quickly put together some, like a, a program uh, over a few weeks and it turned out to be a hit. So what ended up happening was I just kept doubling that each round and the rounds essentially became like three months each. So that was sort of like the way that it started. And since then, it's really taken on a life of its own. And this is how you know when you have a, something special, right? something that often is a very happy accident and turns into something more. So over the last five years, this group has just grown to become almost like this, its own system, its machine. And people keep coming back. We have around 81 to 86% of people who return. So whether that's the next round or they'll come back like a few years later, you know, and it's, it's, it's crazy to see after around two and a half years, because this was like a, a side hustle, 
I actually said, hey, I'm going to shut it down because, you know, I had so much going on and I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't keep going. And so we did a going away party. Every, everybody came, we celebrated the pack and it was great. Not too long after, I think it was about like a, a couple months, I, I learned that folks within the pack were still trying to do the rituals that we had created together on their own, but they were missing this environment, this home that we had created here. And so I realized that it had moved far beyond me and that it would be a waste if I didn't serve that. And so I rebooted the pack and we just started to take it a lot more seriously, you know? And so as a result, we just have this like crazy accountability group that's all done in Slack. We're experimenting where the culture is set, where people know exactly what to do. A lot of the OGs know exactly what to do. And it's so easy for people to now just kind of join and hit the ground running. Yeah. And so, yeah. So what is it? So, so this is a Slack group and people join and I guess you've automated some questions and things that people have to answer every day or what are some of the key components of it? Yeah, correct. So what I'm going to do is, and of course, for those who can't see what I'm uh, Mm -hmm. doing right now in Slack and thank God Slack has, they've incorporated a feature to allow you to group channels like in folders before they didn't have that. But now they oh, do. I didn't know that. Okay. So you can group channels. Yeah. Cause the channels are starting to look really long. So now you can group Correct. it into categories. Okay. Correct. Um, and there are a few hacks as well, whereby you can actually hide unread channels. So you only see like the, either your star channels or your unread channels that helps reduce the, the long list of channels. Yes. As well. Okay. So that's sort of the general makeup for each round of the pack is we have daily scrums. So if you're familiar with scrums that come from the agile scrum methodology, and that just includes duns, to-dos, and blocks. So we use that, but then we've kind of incorporated our own sort of custom other sections to that. So we also, a big sort of thing in the pack that we have is yin and yang, right? So we constantly look at sort of the yin and yang within our lives and our working lives. And so we have the, we call the done to-dos and blocks the yang bit, but then we include the yin, which includes gratitude, affirmations, and anything else that's considered technically softer, right? And that becomes then part of our daily scrum. And I won't show that just to protect, you know, um, their their privacy. But, you know, folks, some people might have a really short and brief. Others will go into essays, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's just different styles of people. But it's like that general structure that we make sure we have in place. And I know you, Lynn, like are very good with systems and structures as well. So we apply that here. Then in the weekly, essentially, this is like a weekly review. And that can be in the form of a bot. So the Slack bot will ask, may ask questions. And then people fill that out and it'll, it'll the, that Slack channel. And then webinars we use as a way to, when we do Zoom sessions like this, so we have hot seat sessions every week, the webinars channel is used for everyone to actually go there and sort of answer questions from the webinar in that Slack channel. So we have a record, right, of all the responses. And it's, it's worked really, really well. The daily rituals, I think, is what makes it so effective because when we do a survey, People say that it's the daily scrums that they really love about the pack. And remembering also, it's like the culture that you build around that, right? Because everybody will have their own culture. But I think the most powerful thing, and this exists in all human beings, is the power of rituals. Mm. And rituals is what I also use for a lot of communities in general. When you're building communities, you really got to think about like the type of rituals you want to start building and then work with the community to see how those rituals will form. Because a lot of things that we have now are a result of just stuff that organically came out. You can see there are other channels at the top here. There's one called prayers. Somebody wanted to create a prayer channel. And so Mm. they would just, you know, if somebody was seeking help, they would put it in there and say, could you please pray for me for this? And it's non-religious. It's just, 
you know, sending out good vibes. Yeah. And those sort yeah. of things. So basically, yeah, this is kind of similar to what I do at OA in that we try to yeah, create rituals like daily reflection and daily review. And because we've yeah. got, I guess our community is all the freelancers, the VAs that are working for clients. We wanted to make sure that they feel engaged and whatever. So, so would you say that this is applicable? Um, this is useful for people that are like, you know, self-employed owning their own business and they feel isolated and they need to feel some sort of like they're in an office, like an office environment that there's other colleagues that they, they can work with and have a shared goal or, or support one another. Yeah. Yep. 100%. We call it. So essentially what we're looking to do is help people heal their lone wolf syndrome issues. <laughs> That's what we call it. Like lone wolf yeah. syndrome. Right? Where you're so yes. used to doing things on your own or you find yourself doing too many things on your own. This is a perfect place to help get over that. Okay. So how do people connect with you? Okay. So I know that you help with Bitcoin companies. Where do they go? And then yep. self-employed people that are lonely. Where do they go? Yeah. Yep. Okay, so for uh, the Bitcoin and the community consulting aspects, you just go to FiaCorp, so F-A-I-A-C-O-R-P.com. So FiaCorp.com, then, you know, of course, there's a contact field there and hit us up. For the pack, uh, you just go to jointhepack.co, so .co. And why is it that, that you kind of have different intakes for the pack, the people? You mean yeah. like rounds? The, the yeah, yeah. Rounds? How does the rounds work? Yep. So we are actually, lo we're looking to scale up the model now. So we're looking at sort of adjusting that. But the reason why we had that before is because we wanted to take people on an experience, right? Because one thing I've noticed with a lot of online memberships is that people just come in whenever, right? But then there's, when there's not sort of like a group that comes in together, because again, right, I'm all about communities and you, you kind of go back to school, right? School intake, like people are kind of familiar yeah. with that already. And when you have a group, come together, they feel some camaraderie. Mm, but good when, you point. Have, when you have people just coming on their own, it's still very individualistic, right? Yeah. And it's like, they don't have a sense of sort of accountability or responsibility to their yeah. peers because it's like, I'm here on my own. Yep, I'll just make my way in. It's like a new kid at school. Like they come in and I'm, like, I'm the new kid at school here. And I feel like, oh my God, like, where am I? And, and yeah, these Correct. kids already know each other and I don't know anybody. But, Correct. but then with the, the new, the intake, I really love that idea. I think that's amazing for if people are wanting to do mastermind groups or doing whatever it is to kind of have that. Then it also builds up this kind of eagerness and because people are looking forward to the next intake, right? Correct. Correct. There's so many things that like what I guess one of our models is do things that don't scale. Scale breaks community. And this is one of the things that or it doesn't always but it can. There's this weird thing about like uh, the difference between communities and networks and I, a lot of people sort of conflate the two. And communities is all about like tighter relationships, uh, usually smaller and more intimate. And there's something called the Dunbar's number, right, which uh, we, uh, we might have talked about but if not, uh, essentially, it's like when you get up to around 150 people, you tend to lose sort of the intimacy that you have with around that number. And generally, actually, even 150, if I asked you to name like 150 people that you know really well, would mm. you be able to off the top of your head? Probably not. Yeah. Most people, yeah, not. Yeah. Most people like even like maybe 20 yeah. like, is about a good number. Yeah. So Dunbar uh, posited, and I think the actual number was 148, but 150 is cleaner. And it said like 150 is a maximum number of relationships that you can handle at any one given time before you start to feel like you don't know everybody anymore. Mm. And I've seen this play out time and time again. There's a WhatsApp group that I have for third culture kids. They're now at around 150 and people are just kind of like either leaving the group or just zoning out because there's yeah. too many conversations happening. They don't know everybody. 
and they've lost the, the intimacy that they had. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Like, I mean, I have a, the company with about 70 people in there and, yeah. and, you know, when at first when there was 10, 20, you know, I know, knew everybody, I had that personal relationship, but then now I kind of know their name, let's say, or, or I mean, hopefully I know all the names, but I, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it, it does. It's, and it hasn't even got to 150 and it's already kind exactly. of like really difficult. Exactly. But yeah, you're the man for community. You're the man for technology. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's awesome. All right. Well, I've got two last questions for you. Since this is a kind boss podcast, that's the name. What mm. does a kind boss mean to you? Oh, what does a kind boss mean to you? A kind boss to me means compassionate and empathetic. A, a boss who is able to sort of balance their, you know, their IQ and their EQ, the yin and yang. So, you know, I was talking about that in the pack, right? There's too much yang energy in the world, I think, when, especially when it comes to business, right? And we don't give enough emphasis to the yin side. And, you know, both elements are, are, exist within men and women, right? And I think when it comes to choosing leaders, right, we can see this. I think there's a time where you might need more yang. There's a time where you might need more yin. But there's not enough emphasis put on like that balance of the two within, you know? And I think a kind boss is someone who's able to have the wisdom to right, see the difference of situations that might require either more yang approach or a more yin. So that's kind of how I would see a kind boss because then they're able to step into other people's shoes. Yeah. yeah. I could tell from your answer that you're very technical. <laughs> very technical. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very different to, a lot, to all the other answers, but yeah, no, I love it. I really get, I understand what you mean because yeah, especially the, the more, the older you are in business and long time ago, the more you're just very yang, if that's the term you're saying. And then, yeah. oh yeah, like not very, that kind of human touch and spiritual yeah. kind of side, but you think it's, yeah, it needs both. All right. Last question for you is mm -hmm. what do you want the world to remember George for? Oof, man. Wow. That's a good question. Okay. So over the last week, I actually was thinking about this question a lot because it is in line with a uh, book that was recommended to me called How Will You Measure Your Life? And, you know, some, as someone who became pretty much a workaholic, I realized that I definitely don't want to be remembered for how hard I worked. What, what I do want to be remembered for is how well I helped others, you know? And I think you and I are both very people-oriented. You know, of course, that's what resonates for us. But it's so important, I think, when you're thinking about success and how you want to measure it, to not get caught up in how, I guess, most of society defines success, right? Yes. Which is generally the number of dollars, right, in your bank mm -hmm. account and your net worth. And I think what I sort of came to realizing was that, you know, the way that we've been conditioned from school into work is that we always go after the things that are one, measurable, and two, you have more of an immediate return or reward, right? At school, grades, right? You know that mm -hmm. you can get a grade for, for anything. When you get into the workforce, it's your paycheck. It's money, right? Because it's immediate, you can see. But the third one that is so important, and it's kind of like the glue for all of those things, are relationships, right? And you don't see how well or poorly you've done until you really need it, mm. right? And, you know, I looked at this because there's many situations where People who have succeeded, like quote unquote, succeeded at the business game, it's come at the cost of their relationships with their spouse, their children, family, friends, loved ones, mm -hmm. right? And what kind of life is that if you have all the money in the world and you're at your deathbed and you're alone, sad, 
but nobody around you, right? Because how you got to where you are generally comes as a result of the people who have helped you along the way. Mm-hmm. And if you alienate them in pursuit of this thing that you call success, what's the point? And, and for me, this was really emphasized when I, I received this award um, in Dubai and I was there on my own. And what was so fascinating is that when I got the, the, the award, I felt nothing. I, I just, and the reason I, I, I felt that way is because I had nobody to share it with, mm. you know? And that really made me think about like, yeah, you know, you ask yourself, what am I doing all this for? You know, because, yeah, you know, people were like, oh, congratulations, George. You know, they were like husbands and their wives and all that stuff. And the, the recognition and the award like meant nothing because I didn't have someone personally that I felt like I could share it with. I mean, of course, I have my family, you know, but it was just a moment where I realized like what actually mattered. So in yeah. short, what do you want the world to remember you for? <laughs> um, how, yeah, yeah. How much I think the, the ability to create community through those relationships to build strong, resilient communities where relationships are at the heart of it. Uh, yeah. 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 So you want the, everyone who you deal with to feel positive whenever they've dealt, or you served them or you've, you've added value to their life. Yep. Correct. And, and the way, yeah, exactly. And the way that I am doing that is like, yeah, through the building of these communities. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you came to that realization. Cause I think we've spoken a few times and you were like, hustle, hustle, hustle. And I'm like, mm. I've been there, I've done that. And I realized that it doesn't have to be like that because we were, we were conditioned to that. And I also made that mistake. And now mm. I have a really balanced life. And I, and I think sometimes you think the harder you work, the more result. It's actually yeah. not. If, mm. if you had more of a break in between and more space in between things, you know, yep. allow things to happen for you. You don't have yes. to control everything. That's the one yes, thing. control. <laughs> huh? <laughs> Let well, <it> go. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on my podcast. It was an awesome chat with you. Likewise. Thanks, Lynn. Thank you for joining our podcast today. We hope this interview has inspired and humbled you to be a kind boss. Please don't forget to subscribe to our channel and let us know what you think about our show. If you have any questions, please visit OutsourcingAngel.com. Until then, stay kind and spread love.